What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind, no sorry, what was it? Me and my friend Mark, we're gonna stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to Behind the Gorilla. We're going to talk about Harris's top 10 wrestling matches this week. Last week, we did something a little different with the show because we just both haven't done real episode research and um, talked about my top 10 favorite wrestling matches of all time. It was a lot of fun. Enjoyed it, you know, because we don't get to talk about straight positive stuff on the show a lot because that's the whole point of the show. So, so when we do, the handful of times we have... It's nice. It's a nice change. And um, so I enjoyed doing that. I watched like 12 hours of wrestling in like two days to get ready for that last week. And um, so this week, of course, it's only fair. Now it's Harris's turn to pick his top 10 favorite wrestling matches of all time, which will be a very different list from mine. And uh, so it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think we have... I think there's some overlap like between my list and your honorable mentions. Sure. And maybe the other way around, but that's it, which I'm really excited about. I feel like we have very different tastes in wrestling. I don't think there's many on my list where you'll be like, no, that wasn't a good match. Yeah. But the things that I love and think are like all-time classics are probably not the things you love and vice versa. So this will be interesting. We'll see if I can get through it without you uh, rolling your eyes at me too much over <laughs> well, the phone. Well, also just the fact that uh... – you know, our our wrestling background is just so vastly different with someone who just yeah. grew up watching it and then someone mm-hmm. else who has only been watching it for less than a decade. Right. And I will say I'm I'm doing the math now. I think I think fifty percent of these, fifty percent of my list takes place after I started watching. So between twenty fourteen and twenty twenty. Right. So there's definitely gonna be some recency bias here. There's not gonna be a lot of I mean, basically, if you look at any other grown wrestling fans list, it's going to include a lot of stuff from the Attitude Era, maybe some classics, you know, NWA, WCW wrestling. There's not a lot of that on there, but there's also one or two like kind of obscure picks, which I'm pretty proud of. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Wait. So before that, how much wrestling did you watch uh, in the last like couple days? So I watched I Split it about half and half because, you know, we notoriously do a lot of research the day of. I'd say I watched about half of these today, half of them over the course of the last week. So it wasn't too bad. It was maybe, oh, I don't know, five hours worth today, okay. this okay. morning. So nice. not not too bad. I wasn't going to stay up till three in the morning like you. I, I paced it a little bit better. Yeah. I that, mean, the, well, I had. Yeah, that that's fair. That That's more than fair. That's the reason I didn't want to do it last week because I was like, I don't want to watch this much wrestling this quickly no i'm gonna i'm gonna take my time with it i mean the hardest part when when i sat down and i i listed about 15 matches that i thought were worthy of consideration that list didn't really change the hardest part was just figuring out the order i don't know if that was your experience or not uh not uh well i don't know uh yeah it's definitely a challenge but i feel like getting 
I, I changed a lot more like between a few honorable mentions and my eventual mm-hmm. top ten than I did the actual orders of everything. Interesting. Okay, I can kind of see that. I think it, like I sat down because uh, well, the reason is because I had like a handful of things I was looking to do. Like, all right, I want to include this wrestler. I want to include mm. this type of thing. Mm, so I I had like two or three of that kind of category I was looking at, and like which one do I put in the top ten? It was more that was more of my kind of issue when mm. I was going through. Interesting. So for me, I mean, it was basically saying. And I had the advantage, I think, because I was thinking about it as you were doing your list. Not that there's overlap, but I'm just thinking about what I like in a match and what I think makes a great match. So I have that coming into it. I think it's it was hard for me because there were a lot of matches where I would say, oh, yeah, that's a good match. That's a fun one to watch. I should rewatch that. But that doesn't make it a top 10 best. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's a there's a lot of like really good matches out there. It's hard to narrow it down to know like these 10 are my favorites ever. That's the hardest distinction for me. And I wasn't thinking about it in terms of people or places or companies or anything like that. That's an interesting way to do it. But then you get to the point where you're like, yeah, but shouldn't I include this? Well, yeah, I was like that because <laughs> I, I didn't put a sting match in there. I was like, Man, yeah, I couldn't yeah. put a single sting match in there, but oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, so there's going to be – I think it's going to be fun. There's a few surprises in here where I was like, isn't this one of my favorites? And then I had to think about it and I had to watch a few more. And I was like, no, I guess it's not. Okay. As long Weird. as one doesn't include Hornswoggle, you should be fine. If it does, we're, <laughs> we're, we're done. We're out. Uh, okay, no more podcast. Scrub, let me just delete WLC real quick. Thank and, you. Uh, please. Please do. Oh, man. No, I didn't even consider that until you said it. So okay, there's some hope for me yet. Good. All right, Harris, it was your task to uh, come up with top 10 matches. I'm sure you have more than that, so start uh, start hitting us with them. All right, honorable mentions. So there's actually – there's not a ton of these. I was able to clip it down, I think, pretty decently. Like I said, there were a lot of matches that I thought, oh, that's a good match. And then I either rewatched it or I thought about it more. I watched the ones I knew were higher on my list, and I was like, man, that's a good match, but it's not an all-time great. I can't really make an argument that if you watch 10 wrestling matches, like these are the 10 that mean the most to me. So number one, and this was the hardest one for me to leave out, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 31. I think this was on my list of favorite WrestleMania moments. That was kind of a hard line that I kind of had to draw here too, is thinking about that list and comparing it to this one. Yep, yep, I I, dealt with that too. I think like this is the thing this, – this is why this is the hardest one for me to leave off, right? Roman and Brock, this is the best match I think they've ever had, like one-on-one. A very very low bar. Done, no, I don't think so. I think they're both good hosses. It's a good hoss fight, but here's the thing, and here's why like this didn't make it onto my list. I, I think like as a fan of Roman, I have a blast watching this match. I really do because it's the kind of thing where he's an underdog not only to Brock Lesnar but – also, everyone in the building hates him, too, which makes me and, you know, my two other friends who like him root for him even more. But everybody else still hates him. <laughs> they have a great match. The Seth Rollins cash in genuinely one of my favorite moments in wrestling ever in, up until before he cashes in up until that point when it's just a one on one match. It's still awesome. But here's the thing. Like so much of what goes into my top 10 is the story and the crowd and the payoff. And even though the story is here in this match and in this night, they didn't get the crowd into it because the entire year up until this point, 
was pretty badly botched. So the crowd doesn't care, even though it's a great match and they tell a good story and Roman looks great. Doesn't really pay off the way it should, because like I said, everybody in the building hates him. And they save it in the end with a, you know, with a great cash in. It's a great moment, but I just couldn't put it on my top 10 ever, ever, ever. Yeah. When they botched the story coming in so bad. I mean, this is the WrestleMania main event where the last thing you saw on the go home episode of raw was the two of them holding the title and awkwardly like playing tug of war with it. Like they just, <laughs> I the forgot build... all about that. They did yeah. that. that was so... Yeah. That was great. Oh, yeah. Man. I mean, it wasn't, that's the thing, but yes, it's very funny in retrospect. So the feud just didn't do it justice coming in. I had to cut it for that reason. Um, Firefly Funhouse is on here. It's one of the greatest wrestling things I've ever seen. I just don't feel like I can call it a match that belongs on this list in the same way all the other matches are on this list. There's there's hope for you yet, Harris. <laughs> That's good. And I, I yeah. loved it too, but but yeah, no, no. Not, it's, not a great, on a to- it's not a top 10 match list, no. It's a great thing. You should watch it. But if you're talking about, like, I thought about this in our episode last week. Like, a big criteria I use here is... Does this convey to someone who's never seen a wrestling match before, like what wrestling is and how good it can be? And while I love the Firefly Funhouse, that shouldn't be the first wrestling match you watch. <laughs> it just shouldn't. No, um, no, I felt the same way about putting David Arquette matches in my top ten. I thought about that too. Yep, yep. Because there's many the of lulls, them. I, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Kind of wanted to put that uh, triple cage of doom match from uh, Slamboree mm. 2000 on mm. there because it is a lot of fun. <laughs> but no. Right, but at some point, like you, you feel a responsibility to say, "Is this good?" Like objectively, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yep. Okay, so. Another honorable mention, this is the one that we, we will have in common to some de- degree. Goldberg and Hogan from that Nitro episode in the Georgia Dome. Got everything we said last week, yep. just apply that here. It's great. All of it's great. The crowd is hot. It's the perfect Hogan match. It's the perfect Goldberg match. It's a great moment. I, 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 would argue history. I would argue it's probably the greatest wrestling crowd ever. Like in, in As far as just pure energy and noise and everything. I mean, WWE has plenty of moments with big pops, like big moments with big pops, big things, but I I don't I don't think they've ever had something that's that that big of a moment. Like I think it, it was just a perfect storm. It's uh, the, you know, the hometown company in Atlanta, mm-hmm. the hometown guy, a year and a half of NWO domination. Like it, it was just the perfect everything. All at yeah. once, and I I don't think WWE's ever had something quite like that. So we'll we'll get to my counter arguments for that later. But like I I I'm totally with you. I mean, it's top three, if not top five. It's it's right up there. I completely agree with all of it. The reason it's not really on my list is just it, it's just subjective. It just right. doesn't mean as much to me personally because I didn't grow up watching it. Right. It's just it's a thing that I learned about after I got into wrestling. I thought, oh, that's cool. I should check that out. And I watched it. I was like, wow, that's great. But it just doesn't, for me, merit top 10 inclusion. Definitely sure. like 11 or 12, but it's just not quite there. And the last two, these will not surprise you at all. It's Bailey's two title defenses against Eva Marie and Nia Jax for completely different reasons. Now, this is the 
second closest to a real hipster pick I have on this list. <laughs> Nobody remembers this match. Bailey versus Eva Marie was not a takeover match. It wasn't a feud. It was like a two or three week story on NXT television where like Eva Marie got sent down to NXT so they could try to teach her how to wrestle. And they said, okay, we got to do something with her. And we've got Bailey as this babyface champion. And they pull all of the stops to make it seem like she can steal this match. They have a WWE official come down to Orlando to book her in a title match, even though she doesn't deserve it. She's only won like four squash matches and they have like, they keep pushing her as the perfect woman. They keep pushing the total divas branding. They keep pushing the corporate help. At one point, Charles Robinson himself is brought to ringside to supervise the match like they are doing everything in their power to make sure that the fix is in and it's it's prime NXT booking it's prime babyface Bailey the only reason it's not on my top 10 and I really wanted it to be is because it's still only like an eight minute match it's I have a blast with it it's overbooked to perfection does the ref get bumped and Charles Robinson has to take over yeah absolutely you bet is Nia Jax at ringside, and does she try to interfere? Absolutely she does. Does Bailey win in the end? Because Eva Marie's not a good wrestler? Yes. And that's what, like, everyone, like, that's what Bailey said was going to happen in the first place. It's, it's a great story. It's just, like, eight minutes too short. If they had padded it out a little more, if they had given it a takeover build, this would have been higher and maybe even made my list. But even I, Mark, absolute Bailey Mark that I am, rewatched it and I was like, the promos were incredible in both directions. The booking's great. I had a blast. Just not enough there. So thank you, thank you, Harris. That's, again, that's, that, that's, that's that, again. Okay, good. Harris again isn't completely isn't completely insane. Well, this is why I wanted more time, you know, because I rewatch all these other matches and I'm like, look, I think this is objectively better. Again. If you've never watched wrestling before, these should be the ones you look at first. These tell a better story, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The fact that they were able to get this much out of Eva Marie is a testament to NXT booking, by the way. It's prime NXT. You should go watch it. It's a lot of fun, but that just missed the cut. So now it's time. All right. Top 10. Again, like I said. There's going to be a fair amount of recency bias here because this is when I started watching. In fact, let me double check. Oh, okay. Only two. Okay. I thought three of these matches took place in the year 2014. Only two of them do. Oh, okay. But we'll start with November 23rd, 2014. This is the main event of Survivor Series, traditional five-on-five match, Team Cena versus Team Authority. If Team Cena wins, then the Authority is done. Now, Is this the uh, Dolph Ziggler one? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Now, we were talking about this a few weeks ago because Survivor Series just happened, and you said they haven't had a good Survivor Series feud in a decade. And I, I, I disagreed with you, and I was saving it for this point. You know, this is what I thought of. This is the last great Survivor Series match I think we've ever had. They've had some good matches in the past, like one or two of the SmackDown versus Raw matches have been fun. But there's not a story there anymore. The story is kayfabe bragging rights, and in kayfabe, the draft takes place two weeks before the show. It it doesn't work. 
the way they do it anymore. This is so classic, which is funny because this was the first Survivor Series I ever watched. But the more time goes by and the more old Survivor Series matches I watch, I really think this is the perfect one. Like this is the best thing this show can possibly be. And they can't they, they can't do it every year because the stakes usually aren't going to be this high. The, the reason I genuinely believe this and I'm obviously biased, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think 2014 has some of the best moments in wrestling because they had a really, really good villain holding it down at the time. I know everyone got sick of the authority and all of their nonsense over the years, and they stuck around way too long, and they were boring and terrible. But the reason they work is for matches like this. I hated Triple H and Steph so much. I was so ready for them to be done. And I remember watching this show and realizing it was a distinct possibility. And the stakes here were so high. And it felt so real. And the story they tell is so good. The pacing is awesome. They start the match off. Right off the bat, Big Show punches Mark Henry in the mouth and knocks him out cold. Instantly. Instant DQ. And that's the perfect, like, any multi-man match, I, I discovered re-watching all of these. The perfect way to start any multi-man match is just instant finisher. It just yeah. You start the match off at a 10, slow things down from there. It's a great shocking start. It's a lot of fun. And then you have, you know, your classic, well, the heels start to wear everybody back down again thing. At some point, Big Show turns. Obviously, there's the incredible Dolph Ziggler run in the back half where he's down three to one, fights all the way back, just keeps kicking out, keeps kicking out, survives forever. And at the very end, of course, the greatest vigilante babyface of all time, the silent guardian, the watchful protector, the only man who could ever rightfully end the reign of terror that was the authority. Sting debuts, crushes Triple H, gives Dolph the win, the authority is dead. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about what they did after Would have been a little better right. if, no, no, you no, know. No, 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 no. Doesn't matter. We're only talking about the match. It's great. Yeah, you talk great. about you talk about a uh, moment that has been since soured for me. That that was one of my yep. favorite moments for uh, yep. for a couple yep. of months and, anyway. Yep, absolutely fair. Um, you just you got to block all the rest of that out of your memory. And I'll say this too: like when I say this is the best Survivor series they could possibly make, like ever, they might do another one this good. But like, it's always meant from minute one to be like a stopgap to a WrestleMania feud. Even in like the macro, like year-long booking sense, this works perfectly because you're like, okay, Sting's here. He took Triple H out of power. Triple H wants to get back in power. They're going to have a grudge match at WrestleMania that'll settle everything for good. Hmm. And then the good guy's going to win, right? No, it's hmm. about the Monday Night War. Don't worry about that. that. None of that matters. Like, I understand what they were setting up, and on this night it works. That's not we, we're not talking about what happens after because this isn't the best angles of all time. It's the best matches of all time. You know what? You know what's one of the I other. Think they you know what's one of the other worst parts about this uh, Survivor Series is the fact that <laughs> yep. the next year's one was in Atlanta, and that's the one we were at, which was total crap. That's the worst part. I had fun at that show, but yeah, no, it wasn't nearly. As I did good not. As this one. I didn't I mean, know. I had, I did not have I fun at that show at all, and I don't remember yep. hardly anything from it. I remember the Brothers of Destruction wrestled. I remembered Roman Reigns yep. wrestled Dean Ambrose, and. Yep. Then, then Sheamus cashed in just yep. to, to the to the um, apathy of everybody, and <laughs> I'm just gonna say to thunderous indifference yeah. from the crowd. And it was 
Like if you, I, I'm trying if you to think, think to yourself. Oh, go ahead. The, the the two most forgettable wrestling shows I've ever been to were 2012's Hell in a Cell and 2015 Survivor Series. I I don't remember anything really from either of those shows except for pretty much the main event, and I couldn't even tell you how the matches played out. I just remember that they happened. Like CM Punk defended his title in a Hell in a Cell match against Ryback. That's that's all I remember Ooh. about that show. Ooh. I don't remember that's what happens. You... I'm pretty sure CM Punk won because he kept being champion, and I don't. I could not tell you one other match that happened that's... on that that entire card. Man, and uh, so yeah, yeah, that and Survivor Series were up there, and I'm pretty sure that was my last rest. That was my last WWE event. Until at least for a couple of years, I think I went to a couple of Raws. I know we went to one mm-hmm. before WrestleMania 34 or 30, 34. Yeah, before WrestleMania 34, and that's the last WWE show I've been to. And I think I went to a Raw like the year before, but uh, the- yeah, that that Survivor Series was kind of the end of like, oh, WWE's coming in town, let's go, Dad. That was kind of the end of that. Mm. <laughs> My favorite thing, so. I enjoyed my time at that Survivor Series 15. Well, of course you the did. The thing that I – well, no, hang on. The thing that I enjoy most about it and remember most fondly is that like the week before, somebody leaked ISIS's list of potential targets oh, yeah. in America, and yeah. one of them was that pay-per-view. I remember And that. I was like, nope. I've had a stressful year of school. I'm celebrating by going to this show, and if I die at a WWE event, that's how I would die. Like the terrorists want me to not watch this show. I'm going to this show. And they had like beefed up security. And yeah. there was this weird sense of solidarity in line as we sat there in our pro wrestling t-shirts and our neck beards. We're looking at one another like, yeah, man, we're sticking it to them. This is for America. Let's go. I forgot and all I remember about that. that. You are right. There fondly. was that. There yeah. Was, there um, was that. The, and the other thing was I, I just wanted to see Undertaker in the flesh once because I became a wrestling fan a year before, and I didn't think I would ever get to see him wrestle. Sure. So when he came out and squashed Bray Wyatt like everyone else was pissed, and I get why, that's all I wanted to see live and in the flesh. I wanted to see him make the entrance and do all the moves and win in five minutes and go home, and he did that. So yeah. I was like, all right, this is a fine night. But yeah, 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 no, no I, told, I totally get that. And your heel champion is cashing in, and the only thing people are thinking is – you know, it is pretty rare to like see a cash in happen live in person, and that's the only thing going through their <laughs> minds. Like, you're not. It's not a good story. You're not doing a good job. You well, know, th- there was a little bit of a. Well, at least Roman's not champion anymore. But like, is this really better? May no, not not, not really. <laughs> it's just it's like a horizontal shift. It's like well, that's a good oh, way of putting it. All right, uh, uh, one guy we don't care about to another guy we we don't care about. That that's that's fun. Yay. Yep. yep. <laughs> well, okay. We're going to pivoting all the way back to the Survivor anyway, Series that was actually good. Anyway, but that's a good, good. Yeah, but that was in good. 20, well, in 2014, the Dolph Ziggler run is so great because I yeah. remember watching at the time and just losing my mind because there's nothing about Dolph. Like, Dolph Ziggler should not be able to do that. And I don't mean in a kayfabe sense. I mean in an out-of-kayfabe sense. Like, he's never been booked or treated like anybody who could do that. Not in 10 years. I mean, you know, five years at that point. This match, it wasn't ruined for me, but it was shown in a new light for me when I, like, a year ago. 
somebody pointed out, I mean, yeah, does it ruin that match for you at all to know that that was supposed to be Roman Reigns and he was just out injured? That wouldn't have worked. People would have hated that. They would have been like, ah, here's Roman doing the babyface thing again. Like, it doesn't work if he's the good no. guy in that match. Nope. But when it's Dolph Ziggler, everyone's like, wait, what? Well, plus Are Roman Reigns, it just that story doesn't work with the biggest person in the ring. Exactly. Exactly. And that, well, that's their problem with him is they tried for years to book him as the underdog. Dolph is actually the underdog. Right. So when he kicks out for like an hour straight and every time you're like, there's no way he can kick out again. And he keeps doing it. It's a blast, dude. I think it's the best possible Survivor Series match they can ever tell. They might equal it again one day. They're never going to top it. The stakes, the pacing. Here's the best thing I can say about this match. The big show heel turn kind of makes sense. It doesn't happen out of the blue. He knocks out Mark Henry at first. Like, he's willing to fight for John Cena. But the second stuff starts to go the wrong way, he's like, ah, I'm hedging my bets, knocking out John Cena. I'm out. Like, it, it they make a big show heel turn work. Yeah, That's the it, best compliment it, I, just I can wish give this It match. wasn't the fifth one in, the, in two months. That was the problem. Right. Oh, yeah, no, but that, that's not great. I'm just saying it's better than nothing. It wasn't like, wait, he just did that for the lulls. It was like, no, he didn't want to get fired and— he waited till the point in the match where he felt like he had no choice. And it was still cowardly, but it was understandable. Yeah. Look, it, it's a lot, but it worked. All of it worked, even if it had no right to. Right. So that, that's number one. Pretty low on the list. Ten. I had a blast watching it, but if you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, mileage may vary. Yeah, number yeah, two. Yeah. Number AEW. nine. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm looking at it in front of me, and I still said it wrong. <laughs> That's embarrassing. We're going to count up. <laughs> number two on the list going down, which is, of course, number nine. That's what I was going to say. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. AEW, come on down. There we go. We got Pack and Orange Cassidy, baby. <laughs> Revolution, February 29th, this very year, 2020. Now, Mark, I really thought. I really, really thought. Can you still hear me? I can. Sorry, you have to, I got another call coming in. Just edit that out. I don't know. I just wanted to make sure I didn't hang up on you on accident. So I really thought, like, rewatching this match, I was going to say, no, okay, this is pretty good, but, like, there's other stuff that belongs on the list. I still really love this match. I think it's the best comedy wrestling match I've ever seen. And if you've heard me talk about getting into wrestling before, you know I think comedy wrestling is, like, the best possible way to get someone who doesn't watch wrestling into wrestling because you instantly get it. You understand what we're all doing here. And if the knock on wrestling is, Oh, why do you watch that? It's fake. You can't not watch this match and think, how does nobody realize it's fake? Cause it's absurd, but it's awesome. It's so great. And this is, you know, I think as time goes by and we like see orange Cassidy wrestle more, the special feeling of this match will kind of diminish and I have to remind myself, like, we hadn't seen him do hardly anything. Like, no. occasional little bursts of speed, but not a lot. Like, this was his first proper match to the point where when he gets into the ring, the crowd is chanting, he's gonna try. He's gonna try. <laughs> Just to let you know what you're in for. And he does, it's like, it's stuff that the more he wrestles, the more we'll take for granted. But he does the hands in the pockets thing. And Neville stops him, and then he does it anyway. And he does that thing where he, you know, I don't know what they're called. I call them the sloth kicks where he just taps yep. your shin. 
and the crowd is just going nuts. They're going absolutely nuts. Like it's the main event and Neville does the little taps back and they're doing the boo. Yeah. Boo for the little sloth kicks. The announcers keep waiting for pack to just kill him. And every time he starts to get a little momentum, they're like, Oh, I had a, we, we had a feeling this wasn't going to last long, but orange Cassidy keeps surprising you. And it really is a surprise because you haven't seen him done all do all of this in the context of a match before. And he's hitting all these different gears you've ever seen. And he's running the ropes with his hands in his pockets. And he hits that drop kick and does the spin to the camera and yep. just lets the crowd go nuts. It's absolute nonsense, but it's perfect. And I know we talked about this like after the show, but Pac is the perfect person for this to happen with because he is the most self-serious person Yep. maybe on this entire roster and the complete opposite of this guy in intensity and demeanor and – move set just all of it yeah but 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 he also has kind of a like manic thing about him where mm -hmm. you get that he might irrationally do something that would hurt him just like i don't know he had you're right he has this like perfect he, he was the perfect guy for this and and this would not have worked with 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 anyone like it, it's just this perfect mm -hmm. blend of uber seriousness but there's some other hint of like kind of craziness in there where yeah. it kind of it, it, like it will work. Like I, I can't explain it, but it, it was it's the it was a perfect it was the perfect combination. Yeah. And I think we'll touch on that a lot in these matches. Like the, the thing that makes a match really great is the way the two performers work well with one another, but also contrast to one another. And yeah. that's what makes the moment so special and that like you'll say that a lot like this wouldn't have been a top 10 match with somebody else in it yeah that th that chemistry is part of what makes this so special well and here's the other thing like it's fun to talk about and focus on orange cassidy's absurd like comedy wrestling offense that is actually also like genuinely good wrestling offense i mean it's not like straight up santino with the cobra like he's right. drop kicking people he's hitting you know really powerful moves but he can also sell like a maniac, yeah. which is something that makes this match really work because when Pac hits back and is bonking his head off the turnbuckles and like drop kicking him left and right, he's so limp and so lifeless that it really underscores how serious Pac is in this situation and how dangerous he is and how absurd it is that Orange Cassidy is still going to wrestle him with his hands in his pockets and still do pretty well. Yeah. And, you know, he, he spends most of the match just recharging like, the you know, the, the middle to last third where the heel has their heat and he's just getting battered yep. and flopping around. And he's so flexible, which one or two people we'll talk about in this list have that same trait. And he, he when he does the babyface comeback, it's still an Orange Cassidy comeback. Like, I forgot about this spot, but he does that thing where I almost called him Neville, where Pac hits him, knocks him down, and he rolls out of the ring, which is smart. You know, that's a that's a typical wrestling move. That's fine, whatever. Pac gets out, throws him back into the ring, and he just keeps rolling. Yep. yep. All the way across the <laughs> ring and back out. I don't I don't know why that's so funny. I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen that before. And it's nope. perfect and it's brilliant and it's it's like it you know it's one of those things that's the most obvious thing in the world the second after you've seen it but you never would have thought of doing it yourself nope and that was really what i think that was the moment where i was like no this is 
this is top 10. Like, this is good <laughs> enough. If I ever have a friend who's like, what do you watch? This is so fake. I'm like, listen, we, we know. Just watch this. Because the crowd, again, that's the common thread of the top 10 matches. The crowd is so into it. It's immediately clear what's happening, and it's impossible not to have a blast watching this match. Ultimately doesn't get the win, of course, which I think is the right call. Like, this kind of match, as Orange Cassidy's, hey, I'm actually good at wrestling coming out party. You don't need him to win. The showing is enough. And yeah. it's just, it's a blast. Like I said, this was the one that I kind of expected to drop off the top 10. But rewatching it, I'm like, no, everything about this is pretty perfect. Like, it's, it is, spoiler alert, it's the only comedy wrestling match on the list. But wow. I think it's the best one I've ever seen. And it's, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Well deserving of the spot. It is. <sighs> so, number eight. Number three on the way down the list, but number eight on the top ten. Probably the least, not one of the least surprising ones on here. It's Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, and Dave Batista at WrestleMania 30. Wow. Now, I thought that would be higher. I did too. This was the other kind of surprise for me on this list. And I think I figured out what it is. I, I toyed with the idea as I was watching it that it might not make the list at all. And this kind hmm. of surprised me. And here's what I think it is. It's two things. Number one, the moment itself is kind of split between two matches. True. And that, that is true. kind of when you're break, when you're trying to pick one individual match, there's a lot of great moments in both of these matches. This is, I think my number two WrestleMania moment of all time. If not number one, it's mm -hmm. high up there. And that's still true. But a big part of that is because of the build of the whole card. You know, he opens WrestleMania 30 fighting Triple H, wins, and that gives him the right to enter the triple threat at the end of the show. So right. even as this match starts, you don't quite get that big fight feel in the same way that you do at the beginning of the card. The Triple H entrance and that moment where after months and months of getting beaten down by the authority – Daniel Bryan and Triple H square off in the ring. That is a big fight feel. That is a big, satisfying moment. And the main event just can't quite get there. Like, it's cool. Yeah. But it's just a continuation of what already happened. So if I'm looking at just this match, it's not as good as even the other match he has on the card. It's a fair point. That's a, that's a good with, thing. I, I hadn't really thought about it like that. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're exactly right. The big the big match was the Triple H match because yeah. there there is no rivalry with Batista and Randy Orton. Like the exactly. rivalry was they shouldn't be wrestling. Like that Exactly. That, so yeah, that that is a that is a fair point. That's a fair point. And it was just like Triple H was always the face of what was holding Daniel Bryan down. And like yeah, right. he put the title on Randy Orton and you know Randy Orton doesn't want him to be champion, but with both Randy Orton and Batista, you get this sense that like it's not personal. Like Randy Orton is going to take the championship if you offer it to him because he's a professional fighter. And Batista's like, look, I came back and won the Royal Rumble. Like, I earned this. I want the title. There's not a lot of personal animosity there because they spend, in, they spend a lot of the match fighting one another. Like, they're not on the same team. It's not really a handicap match. They team up once or twice. But it's not – it doesn't have the personal animosity that you're right, Daniel Bryan Triple H has. So, like – this is a great story and a great moment, but a lot of what makes it great is split between these two matches. And I, I couldn't either one of them individually. I couldn't put both of them on here. If that yeah. makes sense. Sure. 
I started coming back around again, and I realized this had to stay on the top ten. Um, really, well, one of my favorite spots in any match, I think just because it was one of the first pay-per-view matches I ever watched, is the Batista bomb into an RKO through a table, because that's just the most beautiful, stupid video game logic thing I've ever seen in pro wrestling, <laughs> number one. Because they're like, oh, well, yeah, if one finisher is bad, then both of them at once must be twice as bad. And you're like, yeah, sure, whatever. That's <laughs> <laughs> It's not like he's already falling through the table and Randy Orton just RKO's him at the same time. No, it's double damage. It is. It is double damage. It's I, like it's so, like when uh, it's like when two people, you know, they're those double power bombs. It's twice exactly. the impact. It's it's yeah, it's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Harris, come on. Except, well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like in kayfabe, like it's nonsense, but I love it. Also, out of kayfabe, Randy Orton takes one of the worst bumps I've ever seen where his back lands straight on one of those old square television monitors. Yeah. And, like, you see bloodier or higher falls, but that one you just know hurts because you know you've felt something like that. Mm -hmm. It's like a paper cut versus a chair shot to the head. Like, you can imagine one of those. Yep, yep. So that's terrible. So both in and out of kayfabe, that's one of my favorite, like, wildest spots in wrestling, period. And then number two, like the moment, the final sequence of this match is still one of the best moments in wrestling. The call is perfect. The pacing is perfect. I, I, I know we talked about this in the WrestleMania show, but tap out Batista, tap out Batista. Batista's going to tap. And then he does. Mm-hmm. He's so perfect. And the celebration after that is so perfect that it makes up for the fact that the rest of this match is fine. Like again, yeah. It, it, it's hard and it's low on the list because a lot of what makes this so special is in another match two hours beforehand. The overall moment's still great. The ending is still good enough to get it on the list by itself. Like it's completely deserving, but it's not as high on the list as I thought it would be, which, which was interesting. But that probably gave me the most trouble placing, to be honest with you, because it was kind of like you and, you and the Sting matches. I was like, shouldn't this be higher up? Because this is one of my favorite moments. But at the end of the day, it's only number eight. So, moving on to number seven. Number four, if we're going down. I'm going to keep this up the whole time. Um, going back to television for a change. Okay. This is Monday Night Raw, January 4th, 1999. We got Mick Foley and we got The Rock in the main event for the world title. Mm. This... I know we've talked about this is maybe one of my favorite episodes of Raw of all time. Mm-hmm. It's not the best episode because like the B plots are just horrendous. But the A plot with Mick Foley is some of the best stuff you will ever see in Raw. Well, you just described the entire Attitude Era in <laughs> yeah. one sentence. Right, right. <laughs> Pretty much. So it's – I think – We'll we'll touch on this a little bit more as we go along, but like to me, the best stories in wrestling are the ones that managed to touch on real life. Daniel Bryan right before this was an example of that. Of course. And it's kind of the same story. You have the corporate champion that no one likes. You have the scrappy underdog that everyone loves. And who's never gotten to be at that that next level has always been kind of relegated as the the sideshow character. Yep. Yep. I think you have I think you have two big differences in this one. One, it's a quick and very fun match with no fat on it at all, which is typical attitude era, right? Like there's not a ton of high work rate stuff, but I think the flaw of the Daniel Bryan matches, not that they're not great matches, but like triple H likes to be plotting and methodical. Uh, Yes. And sometimes it's amazing. And, uh, but that's a very, 
kind of select group mm-hmm. of, of uh, scenarios where that works. He he doesn't know that. He just thinks it always works, and it yeah, it, not always. Yeah, and you know the main event, same thing. Randy Orton, Batista, like it's good, but it kind of drags for a while in the middle before it heats up at the end. This match is white hot all the way through, and a big part of that is because this is the peak of the Attitude Era. This is one of the hottest crowds you'll ever see in wrestling. Yep, they're white hot all the way through. And the story they're telling, like not just at, at the kind of meta level where you have this character, Mick Foley, who hasn't always gotten a shot at the limelight. The A story is great because the whole episode of Raw, he spends getting into this title shot by basically forcing Vince McMahon to give it to him. He forces McMahon to book the match, no DQ, because he knows they're going to try to screw him out of it. And you've got The Rock on one side, backed by the corporation and all their thugs at ringside. You've got McFoley on the other side backed by DX and all of their thugs at ringside. So things break down pretty quickly. It's brutal. There's no DQs. People are bumping like maniacs, taking terrible spots left, right, and center. At one point, The Rock rips off Michael Cole's headset and starts talking to people through commentary because he's just (laughs) brilliant. And it ends with, if not the greatest, one of the greatest run-ins in wrestling history. When Austin reappears, storms down to the ring just annihilates the rock with a chair shot i mean one of the most satisfying and wince inducing chair shots in wrestling history throws mankind over the top one two three new champion it's a now blast. the rock the, sorry i was just gonna say yeah, the yeah. rock takes a phenomenal chair shot like he oh, is yeah. he's so good at taking chair shots and just getting killed like he's he's really good at it <laughs> Yeah, and again, common thread of this list, right? Like the heels, the guys who have to lose, they look like a million bucks doing it. And The Rock, he just dies. He just gets blasted, and it's incredible. Also, something I can't believe I never noticed about this match, but he's wrestling in slacks and dress shoes (laughs) because Mick Foley (laughs) sprung this match on him at like 9.15, and he didn't have a change of clothes at the arena. That's such a great, stupid little detail that I just never noticed because I guess I was just like, oh, this story's great and the attitude's crazy. Nothing's real anyway. Like, I guess people just looked like that in the 90s. But no, like, when Mick Foley gets the match, you see Rock being like, the Rock's not ready for a title match. I'm not even dressed. Well, look at me. You want me to go out there dressed like this? And McMahon's like, shut up. You're the champ. Do it. Come on. Get ready. (laughs) It's such a weird little nod to continuity. That yeah. he wrestles shirtless in slacks and business shoes that I never noticed before. And they don't really harp on, but it's very funny. And like I said, the Stone Cold run-in at the end, one of the best pops in wrestling history, if yep. not the best pop. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, without it's a doubt. The double fingers to McMahon on his way out the door. The crowd's going crazy. Mankind wins the title. And, of course, this is the iconic – this is one of my favorite stories in wrestling. That'll put butts in seats night where the WCW broadcast in their relentless efforts to trash WWE accidentally got tons and tons of their viewers to change the channel to watch Mick Foley win. Yep. And it was awesome. That's one of my favorite (laughs) things in wrestling. That's the perfect stars alignment of like just the match itself of real life and wrestling fiction. But then you add that one additional twist on top of it. And this is one of my favorite things in wrestling ever it's a little bit low on the list just because like i said there's not a lot going on like work rate wise 
but it's a blast. Everyone should watch it. If you haven't already, go watch it again if you have because it's it's just so fun. Yeah, and it's one of those matches that, that you talk about an easily digestible, just yes. anyone can eat, just pick up, you get everything. It, it's just, it's one of those. Like you said, zero, zero filler, zero any of that. It's just straight to the point, 100 miles an hour, massive story implications, and yeah, I mean, it, it, superstar run-ins, just whatever. What It's everything. It's everything. It's everything, like, that's one of the most perfect examples of something that would work now with the way the attention span is with people now Mm. like that is that is like the perfect scenario because it's just it it's you have just an overwhelming swath of just emotions and uh, stimulation just all all at once right well in real investment that's the thing that's so hard for them to capture because everyone loved Mick Foley, hated Vince McMahon, and worshipped Stone Cold. And it's yep. so – like they got those emotions to align perfectly. It's The only reason they might not be able to do that today is because there aren't that many people that are as popular as Stone Cold Steve Austin was in 1999. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. But it's still – no, you're – it's – I'll say this a few more times on this list. It's pure pro wrestling and pure like car crash attitude era rock and roll sports entertainment pro wrestling. It's easily digestible is the best word, and that's not a diss at all. Mm-hmm. It's just pure joy. Yep, solid, solid pick. Okay, now for the complete opposite side of the spectrum in terms of pro wrestling and what it's capable of, NXT TakeOver Dallas, April 1st. 2016 we got Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura it's Wrestlemania weekend it's just pure sports yep it's pure wrestling not pro wrestling I, I will admit you might have noticed if we've gotten almost halfway through the list I don't have a New Japan match on here mm-hmm. it's not because I don't like New Japan it's just because I tune in once a year I'm impressed with what I see I always really like two or three matches I just don't have a level of emotional investment or connection with anybody sure. to warrant putting it on my top 10 all-time list. This is the closest thing to a pure New Japan match that I have on this list. There's no feud. There's no, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hooking up with your wife and she's my valet now or I smashed your car and you're mad at me now. No, Sami Zayn, you're one of the faces of NXT. You want to be two-time champion. You're fighting your way back up the ladder. Shinsuke Nakamura, probably the hottest free agent signing in wrestling at that time. He's coming to show you that, no, 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 your time's done. He's a better fighter than you, and he's gunning for the title now. That's it. Yeah. There's barely any feud coming into this. There's barely any promos. It's just, hey, this is Shinsuke Nakamura. You guys all know him because you're NXT fans, which means you're New Japan fans. Uh, He's coming, and they're going to fight. And they do, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's yes, it is. Awesome. The the only thing that could make this match better, in my opinion, is if the fans knew his theme song and could sing along to it as he makes his <laughs> entrance. But because it's his yeah. first entrance, they can't even do that. There's just this stunned silence. I, I think it's one of the best matches NXT has ever produced because they didn't have to make it personal at all. And I'm not saying every wrestling feud should be like that. Most of the ones on this list will have a lot more personal animosity and beef and 
meta, you know, storytelling and all that kind of stuff. But this is such a great change of pace. And when you can pull it off, it's such a fun thing to have in pro wrestling. Well, it was also, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Well, it was also a different NXT match. Like this was before the NXT match formula was set in stone and ruined it. Like, this was different. This was not the same as all the other formulas would end up being. It, it because, and I think it's because of the level of of wrestlers that you had. These were two top top level performers for like ten plus years, where where they were before that. And obviously, you get a lot of independent and and other wrestlers coming through NXT. That that's big, but you don't usually get people with this level of experience that yeah. that 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 go down there. Um. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a handful. Obviously, you had like the Smojos, and there's a few like that. But Sami Zayn and Nakamura were two of the prime examples of that of people that really had no business ever being in NXT, but but because they were put in NXT and then given the free the freedom that doesn't exist in most WWE scenarios, they were able to put on performances like this. And this is just the perfect example. Of uh, of that, so you have two. This was like a veteran, real wrestling match feel. It wasn't even exactly. like a NXT match feel. And again, I don't know how else to explain that, but you know what I'm talking about. Like it wasn't. Yeah. And again, and that formula was really good for a time. That NXT and and led to some amazing matches. But this doesn't even feel like that. It feels like something different. Like like above, even above that. Just just a yeah. different caliber of psychology and wrestling. Especially with two baby faces. That's the other yeah. amazing thing is it's two baby faces that are able to pull this off, which is ex- exponentially harder. I, I think, and we're going to touch on this some more in some of the other matches I have. Like, I think the Vince McMahon is the best heel in wrestling history because the best and easiest story to tell, and we've already seen it done twice on my list, is hey, Vince McMahon doesn't like your guy. He doesn't want your guy to win. He wants his guy to win. And people yep. relate to that because that's a very real thing that happens in <laughs> right. wrestling all because, the time. Because it's true. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. It's based on the fact that, hey, top brass doesn't give a rat's ass what you think, average yep. wrestling fan. This is NXT at some of its absolute best because NXT trusts its fans, knows what they want, and just gives it to them. Yeah. Look, you know Sami Zayn. He's been wrestling in NXT for a while. You're all NXT fans, so you've all watched his stuff with Ring of Honor as El Generico, all this different stuff. Who? You, Right. You've all watched New Japan. You know who Nakamura is. When we tell you he's coming, you know why that's a big deal, and we're just going to let him go. But there's a few – like, so I took a couple more notes on this than I have some of these other matches. Number one, the thing I want to point out when you rewatch this, Corey Graves does a very good job – putting Shinsuke over they do it very intentionally because if you know who he is then you're already excited and this is already a big deal but they put him over for the casual fans like me who hadn't seen that much of him Mm -hmm. by comparing him to all the current wrestling stars that they have in WWE now Mm -hmm. so they're pointing out he's the youngest man to ever hold the IWGP world championship that's the same title that's been held by Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles in Japan Mm-hmm. He was a protege of Daniel Bryan in Japan. Even if you've never seen a new Japan match in your life, you get what he's talking about. They talk about how he's the pioneer of strong style, which was inspired by Antonio Inoki, the WWE Hall of Famer, like all this different stuff. 
So you get very, very quickly, if you've never seen this guy in your life, number one, this guy's a big deal and everyone in the crowd knows it. And everyone from WWE knows it too. And they're able to do that without name dropping New Japan too much because they can connect him to the stars that already exist like in their quote unquote kayfabe universe. And the story of this match is so simple. It's just like Sami Zayn. I wouldn't call him a high flying wrestler, but he's a high energy wrestler. If you understand that distinction there, like he's not quite like Ricochet or the Young Bucks, but he's ferocious and he's fast. And every time he starts to get some momentum, Shinsuke uses that strong style wrestling to chop him back down to earth. Yep. Those freaking he, legs, man. Dude, he just can't put it away. And I thought about this watching like strikes in wrestling. And I know you'll appreciate this because you're more old school. Strikes as a form of offense in wrestling are so hard to pull off and make look good. They're so underrated right now. That, when that, you that, can do. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like that was like that was wrestling for the longest time. I mean, like I explained when I was, uh, you know, with my Dusty Rhodes Ric Flair match, which is one of my top three all time favorite matches. There's one suplex in the whole match. Yeah. Yeah. One. I mean, there's a handful of body slams, but maybe no more than four or five. Like it's all strikes and holds pretty much because strikes in real life are a big deal. And so for wrestling for decades, they were a big deal. And yep. then at some point in the 90s or whatever, they no longer became a big deal and and they haven't been since then. But but then, you know, the only time it is a big deal are when you have those handful of uh, you know, wrestlers where they make it a big deal. The Undertakers, the CM Punks, and then Nakamura, yeah. where they're like, oh, this is part of their background. So it, this is why it matters when they do it, when it doesn't matter when everyone else does it, which is kind of the wrong way to look at it. But but at least when it is a big deal, like in a match like this, it, it just it, it elevates it because it makes everything important, even the, you know, the, the strikes, the so-called in-between things of wrestling. It makes that a big deal because – yeah. You know, they're selling it as, oh, no, he's doing real damage. And, yeah. and and it works really well with someone like Nakamura, especially with just his size type. I mean, because his arms are so long, his legs are so right, long, right. and you're just like, well, yeah, that's dangerous because he can kick you when you're halfway across the ring and there's nothing you can do about it. Exactly. And he's so – he's just so dangerous. Like I said, like yeah. Corey Graves in commentary do a great job of putting him over – within the WWE reality by comparing him to stars that you already know and have seen the match does an incredible job of putting him over. Cause everybody like who's watching NXT knows who Sami Zayn is and what he's capable of at this point. Mm-hmm. This is, this is his last hurrah in NXT basically. And every time he starts to get a little momentum and he hits some sort of signature or some big crowd popping move, that's always worked for him. He gets cut back down to earth and I'm not going to like go blow by blow here, but I just I wrote all this down because it's just so fascinating to watch and to see how strong Sinsuke looks by the end of it. But Sammy hits that top, that dive, you know, over the top rope that was like part of the NXT video package for forever. Yeah, knocks him to the ground outside the ring, throws him back in, hits a splash off the top rope, puts him in a vertical suplex. So Nakamura is straight up perpendicular to the ground and knock knees him in the head from upside down and Sammy just plants on his face. <laughs> he had all this great high energy wrestling and one strike just cuts him back down. 
and then he starts running he's running the ropes and he's going for a killer clothesline basically and Shinsuke is able to counter it into what looks like a DDT that he transitions into a submission hold just stops him clear in his tracks and <laughs> has to make him fight his way out of that screeching halts all the momentum at some point Sammy gets him back on the ground outside the ring instead of going for that top rope move again he tries to do his other signature which is where he dives through the turnbuckle yeah. and hits you with a DDT which is it shouldn't hurt anymore but it's terrifying it's it insane is. that he tries to do it kicks him right stone cold in the head and he just drops like a rock outside the ring yep. all his oh it's a gone. great moment it's so good and that just keeps happening he finally he gets him back in the ring you know there's some back and forth whiffs on the on the haluva kick finally sticks a blue thunder bomb and nakamura kicks out and i think this is the difference between like this match and some later nxt matches where it would get a little repetitive but there's a lot of weight to each of these finishers because that's the only signature or finisher Sami Zayn hits. He misses on the Haluva kick. And after a couple brutal elbows to the back of the head, including one where he gets up on the top turnbuckle and just cracks him with like a 12-6 elbow to the back of his neck, mm-hmm. Nakamura nails him with one Kinshasa and pins him in the middle of the ring clean as a whistle. Yep. And we're done. That's yep. it. And Two that is why this hit. is better than half the other NXT main events over the next three years. Completely agree. And I like the other stuff. but like, Yeah, me too. This is a sporting – this is a wrestling match. This is sports. They treat it like it all the way through without having to shove it down your throat or be too condescending or obnoxious about it. It's just pitch perfect. They knock it out of the park. And you have Sami Zayn who's now free to go on to the main roster, and I think that's one of the best – putting the new guy over things that's ever happened in NXT. And that happens yeah. a lot in NXT. Yeah. And you have Nakamura looking like a stone cold killer and ready to go for the title, which he then does. It's, and and it, that, that type of thing fit with his character even better. Cause he's such absolutely. a, he's such a weird, just this, this just strange persona. That's just like no one else, especially in WWE, much less any other wrestling. And, he just is this character that comes out and is just weird and is moving weird and is flowing to music and vibrating and all this stuff. And just like he has no care in the world. And then he's going to decapitate you with yeah. knees and kicks at the same time. So if there's anything that makes a dangerous person seem even more dangerous, it's like this just uh, casual, you know, kind of like demeanor. Where, where you're mm-hmm. like, they're so, like, they're so dangerous and they know they're so dangerous that they're literally unaffected by anything. And, and he just encapsulates that perfectly. Yeah, it's funny. I think we talked about this a week or two ago, but like, they somehow managed to keep that exact vibe with Asuka. Yeah. And she's still treated like a killer on the main roster. And they just never did it with him once he got no, called up. They did. But it's a very similar vibe where it's like, look, they're a little weird. They march to the beat of their own drum. They're just kind of sitting there vibing and dancing, and they will kick your head into the third row mm-hmm. in a heartbeat. Yeah, and he, you understand that perfectly. Like, if you've never seen him wrestle a match in your life up until this point, or if you've only seen one or two, like, you know who he is now. And he had a great run. This is the perfect yeah. way to start it. It's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal NXT match. Yeah, it was great. It's All right, so... 
Now, halfway home, we reach number five on the list, and it would be number five in either direction. Thank you very much. There we go. <laughs> We're back. This is basically the complete opposite of everything we just said in one sense. This is Lesnar Goldberg, Survivor Series 2016. Hey, now, there's one that was in my uh, honorable mentions. Yeah, I, I really – I started with this in my honorable mentions list and the more I thought about it and rewatching it, I just, I, there are so few things in wrestling that have ever made me feel the way this match does. And the fact that it's so short in this case, I'm giving a pass to because it does the exact same thing that Nakamura Sammy does, which is it makes it feel like a real sporting fight. The, the first UFC show I ever watched was UFC 190 and for those of you who aren't super familiar with that that is Ronda Rousey in the main event versus Betch Correa um she won that match in about 30 seconds because the woman decided hey the best way for me to defeat the you know greatest female mixed martial artist in the world at the time the woman whose judo has beaten literally anyone who's ever crossed her is just a bum rusher to just sprint right out. And Rhonda catches her in an arm bar, flips her over, cranks it. And she taps all in the space of about three seconds. And it's one of the sickest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Like on my list of live things I've seen in sports that blow my mind, like is the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's, it's in the top three things that don't <laughs> involve my team. Just the purest, most insane impressive athletic accomplishments in sports that's near the top of my list and yeah. this match between lesnar and goldberg made me feel like that and the fact that they could do that with a pro wrestling match is absolutely insane and will never be fully appreciated because here's the thing squash matches by design are supposed to be with at least one guy you've never heard of right because if you understand that you're paying money to see a fake wrestling match you think well it better be an entertaining show. I want to see a lot, at least like 20 minutes in the main event of a major show between two major stars. It's very rare that you will see them pull the trigger on a squash match between two stars. Yeah, it's it's really hard for them to pull that off. I mean, I think of, for example, the uh, the Daniel Bryan Sheamus match at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. They tried to do that. And I get why they tried to do it. They're thinking, okay, we're going to make Sheamus look like a monster. Yep. We're going to humiliate this heel at the time, Daniel Bryan. And it'll be a cool, like, different WrestleMania moment. And, you know, the card's long. you got to pace it differently. I get all of that. It didn't work. No. And part of the reason it didn't work was because everybody loved Daniel Bryan. Like, that was a big part of why he became a bigger deal later. But it's also because people were pissed because they said, look, this is WrestleMania, the biggest show of the year. We paid a lot of money for this, and you're just treating us like we're stupid. Mm -hmm. It's so well, also hard. it's it's a it, yeah. it was an example of uh, you know one of the best workers in the company. And it's like oh we get to see him wrestle on the big stage. This will be a good uh -huh. match, and then you just negate us getting to see one of the best workers wrestle. Right, right. That's no, that's a very good point. Which so, they did the year before as well at <laughs> WrestleMania 27 that I was at was supposed to be. Daniel Bryan and I think Sheamus, unless it was someone else. Now I don't remember. But it was Daniel Bryan and someone for the U.S. title, and then they put it on the pre-show. And then they turned it into the Battle Royal. And you're like, well, there goes one of the few actual wrestling matches we were looking forward to seeing. 
and it just that doesn't work. I was going to say, and the, the evening only declined from there. Well, there was a few spikes. You know, you had Rey Mysterio, yeah. Cody, yeah. which was fantastic. Man, yeah. now now I even struggle saying Cody Rhodes. And uh, <laughs> and then you had Punk, Orton, which was good and had a good story. And then, but you know, it was what it was. And then you had the one of, one of the greatest matches of all time, fortunately, which salvaged the show with uh, Triple H and Undertaker. But the only other highlight was watching the Miz get a concussion. That was really the only other highlight of the whole show, so that's not a good thing. <laughs> yep, yep. So all that to say, like, an entertaining, like, main event caliber, title caliber squash match is, I'm going to say, one of the hardest things to pull off in wrestling and have your fans respect you. Yeah. I think it's something you have to have a lot of goodwill with your fans to pull off at the best of times, and WWE doesn't really have that. And they still pulled it off, Mark. Yeah. That is the most insane thing. I And I watched this match alone in my house at college. I remember this. And I lost my entire mind. Because everybody knew. Everybody on the planet knew. Okay, we all know wrestling's fake. They like Goldberg because they're bringing him back to get one more big payday. And he's in the video game. Plus, he beat Brock Lesnar at that garbage WrestleMania match at WrestleMania 20. So Brock Lesnar wants to get his win back. This is kind of stupid, but, you know, maybe there will be some fireworks before he inevitably gets his win back. Oh, my God, he did it. <laughs> he pulled it off. He hit a spear, and then he hit another spear, and then he hit a jackhammer, and the match was over. That's insane. They pulled off one of the hardest things to do in professional wrestling, and they did it perfectly. And they did it because they knew somehow like they knocked it out of the park they knew like look what's the complete opposite of wanting to see daniel bryan wrestle hey goldberg he's only got two moves great let's just do that that's his whole like his two moves and he crushes everyone he faces you know what yeah. these people will never see coming if he hits brock lesnar the man we have built up as a god for the last two years Beat the if he hits brock lesnar with those two moves and then he wins yep it's incredible. It's one of the greatest things WWE has ever done. And they didn't even it, – it's not even a Daniel Bryan, Mick Foley, other story we'll talk about later sort of meta storyline. They, But it still – it feels like – it's like watching Ronda Rousey put this girl in an arm bar in 30 seconds and win instantly. Like it's that same sense of exhilaration and oh my goodness, I can't believe that actually just happened. And it's with a fake scripted fight that we right. all know is scripted. Well, That's the other, insane. The other impressive part with the way they did it was they did it, you know, they did it super fast, but not fast enough where you missed anything. Like, yeah. it was done so well to where it was like, wait a minute, what's happening? Wait. No. No, no, no. Th no, this isn't. Like, it gave you time to build up to it with even with doing it instantly like I don't know how to explain it but they they were able to capture both of those type of emotions right. at once and they let yeah like they let like they you, let it breathe it's such a quick match but they let you savor it they let you savor the fact that Paul Heyman is like melting into a puddle <laughs> at ringside and Brock Lesnar cannot breathe because all of his ribs have been shattered yep. like they let you soak that in for several what feels like an eternity but is over in like seconds yeah but you feel all of it and you appreciate all of it and you just think surely he's going to kick out 
and then he doesn't. It's it's incredible. And I think that like the more time goes by and you know it happens, the harder it is to appreciate because if somebody didn't watch that live and didn't yeah. know, oh, geez, this is the Lesnar gets his win back match. Yep. We knew it. Everyone knew that's what was going to happen. We did. And that pulling the trigger on that decision is one of the best things WWE's ever done. Yep. Which is crazy. And because and it's not a medicine. And looking at it now, you're like, well, obviously that was the decision yes! because you build it up to the big WrestleMania match. And, yeah. you know, um, obviously everyone, you know, it makes perfect sense. But at the time, one, you don't expect WWE to make perfect sense usually. And also, as at all the things that you were saying, it just, you know, that's just not what they do. They they don't do that, especially not with Brock Lesnar, especially not with the WCW performer. Like, they, they don't yeah. do that. So it was the perfect storm of it was the perfect storm of subverting your expectations, but having a clear plan and with something that ended up making perfect sense in hindsight. So yes. that's just and the I, best of everything. I think and that's. Any great like twist or surprise in storytelling is the one that you never in a million years would have seen coming before it happens. And as soon as it happens, you're like, that was the only thing that ever could have happened. Like, yes. that's perfect. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that was a blast. Yeah, this is so one of my favorite moments of all time. I mentioned that last week on my on my thing. I didn't have it in top matches, but I, I would, you know, if we did a list of top moments, it would be in my top mm -hmm. 10 moments 100% because it was... Yeah. As you were saying, just never. I, I was just so excited to see Goldberg again. I I'd never seen mm -hmm. Goldberg like live, really, because yeah, I wasn't watching wrestling, re you know, every week when I was four years old and WCW was on, and I wasn't watching it in two thousand and three when he was in WWE. So I had never watched him live, like a match live, and then that happened. Yeah. Holy hell, man. You talk about <laughs> that was just one of the greatest things ever. And the only other moment I can think of live is is just is the Hardys coming back at, at WrestleMania that that next yeah. WrestleMania. Like those two moments stand head and shoulders above above pretty much any others I've experienced watching re live wrestling. Yeah, same. Yep. Incredible. And that, um, yeah. OK, so I'm trying to think. OK, yeah. Surprisingly enough, we have four more matches on this. Only one of them I watched live, which I would say is a testament to how good the other three are that I watched sure. years after the fact. I mean, two of my list. top three, I uh, two of my top three, oh, I yeah. didn't watch live. I mean, with the yeah. Yeah. with you know, Dusty and, and Flair, and then Brett and Sean. Okay, so number four, we're really getting into hot and heavy here, and this was another one. I had no idea where I would end up placing. But I'm pretty happy with what I ended up. Number four is CM Punk and Chris Hero at an IWA Mid-South show in February of 2003. Nice. This is far and away the most hipster pick on this entire list. I'm very proud of it. <laughs> but I'm not just blowing smoke either. It's Mark, are you familiar with this match at all? Have I told you about this? No, I know about this match. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is this the, is this the one? Um, because they they wrestled so many times. Is is this the one where they literally just destroyed the building? Is that this no, one, this or is, is that one of the one. other ones? This is a different one. Okay, this well, then I, it's one of the other ones. Well, then I'm not sure exactly which 
which one you're talking about, but I've seen a few of their matches. Fair. And they're all fair. amazing. So, right. So, it's two out of three falls. 90-minute time limit in front of maybe 50 people in a raggedy warehouse in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's a slightly bigger crowd mark than that free wrestling show we went to with the trainees. <laughs> it's like maybe... 50% of that again. And CM Punk and Chris Hero go out there and wrestle a 90-minute, two-out-of-three falls match. It is the most punk rock thing I have ever seen, and it's a really technically sound wrestling match. It is absolute madness. Chris Hero is out there wearing cargo pants and, like, that custom Superman Chris Hero tank top, you know, yeah. with that logo on it that he has. Punk is wearing a jacket and gym shorts and the title around his waist, and he takes the title off like it's shorts, like he pulls it down and steps out of it rather than <laughs> unbuckle it. It's insane. It's the purest, like I said, punk rock is the only word I can use to describe this. It is just absolute madness wrestling for the sake of wrestling. And they go out there in front of not a disinterested crowd, but like a crowd of people who are just there on a Friday night because it's a $10 local wrestling show. And they wrestle for an hour and a half. And it's good. It's really, really good. And you know me. I'm not like a work rate guy. Yeah. Right. Like I like story. But the fact that they're doing this in front of 50 people in a warehouse and it's still really good is the most insane thing I've ever seen. And that's why it's so high on this list, because every time I watch it, I'm like, CM Punk is the coolest person to ever do this. And he's like 22 years old in this match. The commentary is better than it has any right to be. They, first of all, they know that in a two out of three falls match with a 90 minute time limit draw, nobody's getting pinned anytime soon, right? right? Right, That's like your Schrodinger's, you know, stipulation or whatever, or Chekhov's gun, you know, that's what it is. The, the, so they spend, like, the first few minutes just catching everybody up on the story because they know, like, see them wrestling. We don't have to call and move for 90 minutes. We've got some time. We have to tell a story here. So while they're doing, like, really good, like, just – technical like mat wrestling like i'm pretty sure they're just shoot wrestling for a while because you've got 90 minutes to kill they're catching you up on everything that's happened and talk about how a year ago you know just last week a year ago they wrestled to a 60 minute time limit draw and apparently they say they were like yeah there were about half this many people there last year <laughs> and they wrestled for 60 minutes to no pinfall and like before that was it no it wasn't a year before that i'm sorry it was a month before that i'm getting my timeline screwed up but and then before that, they had had – I think this might be the one you're talking about. I'm not sure. There was a gauntlet match. Punk was champion. He made it all the way through the gauntlet. Chris Hero was the last guy in the gauntlet. He had him locked in his submission hold, and then time ran out. It was a timed gauntlet match. He had him in the hangman's clutch. Mm -hmm. Punk had survived all these other challengers. He was about to tap, and then time ran out. So this is a personal beef that isn't – again, it's not a – personal blood feud it's not a i'm straight edge and i'm better than you you drug addict or i'm sleeping with your wife like there's none of that there's just hey 
We're two guys who love wrestling and we're good at it. And we want to prove that we're better than the other. That's all that it is. And they, you know, they're putting this match over exactly the way you would want like an indie fed or like a sports focused wrestling promotion to put it over. They're literally like, yeah, the last three times these guys have met coming into this match, they've wrestled a combined 110 minutes. You would have to watch Raw and SmackDown for three months to get 110 minutes of actual wrestling. (laughs) And normally it annoys me when people do that, but I'm like, yeah, no, that's true. Because these two people are insane. And that's that's just all it is. It's just if a couple other matches on this list are the purest sports entertainment, this is the purest pro wrestling and again like it would normally annoy me when you make these comparisons but they ring so true that i don't care they're like don't let chris hero's appearance fool you this is a real wrestler and you might say oh he doesn't look like a real wrestler those steroid freaks at wwe look like real wrestlers and most of them couldn't carry a three-minute match if they had to and you're just (laughs) like yeah i kind of believe that because once again chris hero is wrestling cm punk for 90 minutes in front of maybe 50 people because he's a lunatic. Like that's the most pro wrestling (laughs) thing I've ever seen. By the time the match reaches the 45 minute mark, things are really starting to like actually pick up and it feels like an old school match because you're finally seeing like dives off the top rope and backbreakers and moves that are like just transitional moves now. But again, they started out just like Matt wrestling, like it escalates pretty dang naturally punk doesn't punk gets the first fall at 53 minutes into a 90 minute match (laughs) around 70 minutes in hero scores a pinfall to even things up he uses punk's own finisher which is called the pepsi plunge which is fun because he doesn't drink and i'm a big fan of that (laughs) and like as you get towards the finish line and time starts to run out i mean it's i guess it's a like a good match a technically sound match it's getting sloppy, but like, yeah, in kayfabe, that makes perfect sense because these are two like 22, 23 year old kids and they've been wrestling for an hour and a half, like straight up. And it's not one of those things where like they leave the ring and walk around the building for a while to catch their breath. Like that doesn't happen. They're just in the ring wrestling like it's the NWA in 1983. Like they're just going for it. So in and out of kayfabe, you are so impressed by these two guys. So finally, at 30 seconds left, Chris Hero gets Punk up on the top turnbuckle. Wobbly legs in real life as well as in kayfabe, you know. At 20 seconds, he hits this reverse powerbomb off the top rope. At 10 seconds left, he crawls over to Punk and puts an arm over his chest while at the same time, Punk flops his arm over They both pin each other as time expires and we're tied at two (laughs) after an hour and a half. So, of course, we get sudden death. Hero locks in his submission once again, the hangman's clutch that he couldn't quite win with last month because he ran out of time. And Punk taps in the ring. It's it's absolute madness that anyone would ever, ever, ever in a million years do this. (laughs) It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen, like yeah. in and out of storyline. It's it's insane. It's uh, rewatchability was a pretty high factor on where I put things in this list. I sure. don't rewatch this match a lot because well, the video it's just long. is like 
it's the length of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. But it's insane, dude. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I always tell people like Daniel Bryan and that run to WrestleMania 30 taught me that wrestling could be fun, but CM Punk showed me that wrestling could be art. And this is one of like the purest art of wrestling things that I've ever seen. There's no reason for any of them to do this. They <laughs> probably got paid like 50 bucks for it. Maybe it's, I, I said this before and I will say it again. It's the most punk rock thing I've ever seen. They just did it cause they love wrestling and they wanted to put on a show and tell a great story. Yeah. That's awesome. And they, and they do. It's, it's a blast. I found out about this match because uh pro wrestling tees has the, shirt with the match card on it yeah it says when hero met punk i forget the date february 7th 2003 and both of them on it and just just the title alone when hero met punk like that's the perfect wrestling dichotomy that's the perfect face heel alignment like it's just it's awesome on so many levels and they did it in a warehouse in front of 50 people because they just (laughs) love it it's one of the coolest things i've ever seen Everyone should watch it at least once. If you're not paying attention the whole time, that's okay because it's two hours long. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it deserves to be seen. I'm telling you, there's something to be said for hour-plus-long matches. Absolutely. It's a lost art form, man. It's a lost it really art is. form. Uh, you can tell such a great story with when a match goes that long. Again, mm-hmm. uh, two of my top five were hour-plus-long matches. Or, or, no, two of my top four were hour-plus-long matches. No. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a dying art form. And that's why when it happens, that's why when Omega and Okada wrestle, wrestle for an hour and 19 minutes, it's freaking incredible because you can tell about 30 stories in that. Yeah. And it puts over, like, again, it's a hard shift towards the sports side of the sports entertainment spectrum, but it just puts over in and out of kayfabe, how hard these guys work, how much they love what they do, and how good they are. And the fact that you can't you can't put this guy away right away because you're both really good and you're both operating at a really high level. Like there's no way to convey that without just letting them wail on each other for 45 minutes and not right. scoring a pinfall. Yep, exactly. Solid Ooh. pick. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna veer back the last three on these lists. I'm you're not going to be shocked at all to hear me say them. I've talked about them a lot before. Number three, Bailey versus Sasha, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, August of 2015. You all knew this was coming. It's prime babyface Bailey. Here's the thing. (laughs) NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, I I don't know if this is actually true or if I just think it is. An NXT show in Brooklyn, in my mind, is one of the most special, like, must-see shows in wrestling. Part of that is because I got to go to one and I will always enjoy Barclays as a great wrestling venue because I got to see SummerSlam and that takeover there one year. And the other part of it is because of this match, because this is genuinely like one of the best shows I think NXT's ever put on. And this is one of my favorite stories and favorite matches of all time. This is the beginning of the last act of the horsewomen. Like these four women aren't the only reason that women's wrestling has changed and gotten so much better over the years, but they were far and away the biggest indicator and the biggest driving force in it becoming like just as cool as anything else in pro wrestling. That's the best way I can put it. I've talked about this match before. I've talked about this character every week. If I get a chance, we did a whole episode about this feud and this 
ascent to the championship back in season one, but it's babyface Bailey at the absolute peak. She comes in first because she's not the champ. She's got her polka dot headband and wristbands on in tribute to the man who actually had an impact on her career and her character in and out of kayfabe, the original white meat babyface to rule them all, Dusty Rhodes. Even her, okay, this is the first time in my life, Mark, genuinely, that I thought, man, even the gear in this match is perfect. That's how, like, in, invested I am. That's how big of a mark I am, maybe. But tell me, hmm. like, white white gear with gold trim is the best I'm the babyface fighting the final boss gear ever created by man. It's just, it's so clean, and it looks Which so is ironic, because that's what Cody wore for his match uh, versus Dustin in that uh, Fighter Fest match where he basically played the heel. Right, well, and it works, like, it works the other way, too, because the other time I think of somebody pulling off that look is Seth Rollins the night he had to fight John Cena and Sting for both of his championships, which, like, in kayfabe, he was a heel, but in real life, you're like, yeah, but look at this dude go. Like, what a baller. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he's a great worker, and it just, like, you couldn't help but root for him because he had that white gear with the gold trim. He looks like a dang Power Ranger. Hmm. And that's what <laughs> Bailey has on here, and that's a, like, that's a dumb takeaway, but just rewatching this match, I was like, man, everything about that look is just the perfect, like, crowning achievement moment and i'm just i'm, I'm gonna wax poetic here a little bit mark so just don't make any smart ass remarks and let me go for a second <laughs> bailey is the best baby face in modern wrestling okay she at her peak right here in this match her face is saying everything and the build is great and the video packages are good and the promos are good all of that's great you don't need any of it because you watch this match. If you never heard of this person before, you see her in that ring and you look at her face and you're rooting for her because she's vulnerable, but she's not scared. She's nervous, but she's ready. Like she can feel the weight of what's going on and she knows how good Sasha is and she knows she can win. And you can't like teach somebody how to convey all of that with one facial expression. You just have it. Or you don't. And the fact that she was allowed to tell this story and get to this stage in front of, you know, like the smarkiest, smart, smart crowd in wrestling, pretty much outside of like the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, that's fair. And win them all over is awesome. And that's a testament to one, how good she is two how good NXT is at like writing and giving these performers a chance to shine. Number three I want to make this very clear. Like, I'm a massive Bailey Mark. This match doesn't work without Sasha Banks. Like, it's not the same, right? I don't think anybody's ever sold her short. Like, everyone acknowledges that she's great. I think, like, objectively, if you have to draft a woman to lead your made-up wrestling promotion, Sasha Banks is the best person you can possibly pick because... When she's a baby face, she's so small and she's so flexible. She can sell like a monster. She sells yeah, like yeah. death. But she is so charismatic and so dang mean. I can't think of a better word for it. She has this manic energy to her that she's still a credible, dangerous heel. Despite the fact that she's significantly smaller than Bailey, you never feel like Bailey has the physical advantage in this match. And that's a testament to how good Sasha is and like how much of a beating she can take and still keep coming is a testament to just like how you, you couldn't have pulled like this wouldn't work as well with Charlotte. Charlotte's just not mean enough. Like she's more gifted athletically, maybe, 
she doesn't have like the emotional charisma to be the heel in this match. She just, she just doesn't, it doesn't work without Sasha. And you, so you, you just to go through the match a little bit, I'm sure we all know what happens in the end, but you get your little bit of a baby face flash. Sasha starts the match by talking trash about her polka dot headband and wristbands, like just the most dirtbag thing you could possibly do. <laughs> Bailey just punches her right in the face. She gets off to a hot start. Sasha's able to counter, finally gets the upper hand by getting that classic body part work in and smashing her already like sprained wrist in between the steel steps in the ring. So now you've got a broken hand angle you can run with and keep working the hand. And Bailey gets, you know, a little bit of a comeback on. She gets locked into the bank statement. And it's a pretty good submission spot. And you're like, yeah, all right, you know, middle of the match, Babyface is going to try to get to the ropes. I mean, you know, it's probably not the end of the match. Eventually she'll get there. I know you probably remember this, but re-watching it, I just realized I, I think this is one of my favorite heel spots ever. Sasha Banks is able to, while keeping her submission hold locked in, stomp with a lot of force on her broken hand that's reaching for the ropes. And the visual <laughs> of that and the way that it's shot and the way that, like I said, nobody else can do this. Sasha Banks has the flexibility to keep it locked in and to stomp, like not just tap at it, like she is stomping on that hand all at once. Again, I know Charlotte Flair is great. She couldn't have done that spot. Like there's nobody else that can make that work and make it feel so dang mean. Yeah. But this is the perfect like moment of culmination for Bailey because every time Sasha gets close, like Bailey's, we covered this in my season one episode about this like feud. Every time Bailey got close in the past, she comes up short. In this match, every time Sasha starts to get the advantage, Bailey finds a way to counter. She has months and months and months of experience in the ring with this woman. Again, both in and out of kayfabe at this point. She's very, very good at what she's doing, and like she's surpassed her. So she reaches out for the rope with her other hand. Sasha again brilliantly both like emotionally performance wise and just physically is flexible enough to kick off from the rope with the same foot that she was stomping on her broken hand with. She manages to kick off the rope, roll her over and keep her in the bank statement for half a second before she like loses her leverage from the roll. Bailey slips out and puts her in her own submission, kind of gains her breath and she hits her with the Bailey to belly, but that's not good enough. I know you don't like that finisher, but it's actually because Sasha Banks is really tough and hard to put away with one finisher. <laughs> so we're, we're clearly in the end game here, right? Bailey is hurt. She's running out of gas. Sasha got unlucky with that submission, just needs one more big move to try and put her away. Bailey props her up on the turnbuckle, tries to climb up there once, and Sasha kicks her back down. She tries to climb up again for some sort of you know devastating next-level maneuver. Sasha Banks kicks her down again. This time she lands right on her head. Like, it's a nasty blow. It's it's sold very well. Bailey's in a lot of trouble. Sasha jumps back down, puts her on the turnbuckle, and now she's going for the high-level, high-risk backbreaker, essentially. Like, yeah. it, it, if you can hit something from this level, it's very clearly established. The game is over. And you can see Bailey, and I appreciated this rewatching this match again. She's been trying to get this top rope maneuver down twice already. And now she takes a second. She steps over the top rope. She waits for Sasha to come to her. 
locks her legs around her head and hits her with what I think has got to be the sickest move name in professional wrestling, plants her into the mat with a poison Frankensteiner, which is just, oh, that's how you win a match with a poison Frankensteiner. And the crash, she brings her skull crashing into the mat, stands back up, fires her polka dot wristband into the crowd like she's Nolan Ryan, straightens her ponytail, hits her with the suplex one more time, and wins the NXT Women's Championship. I honestly thought before I rewatched it that this might fall down on the list because I'm like, yeah, it's a good takeover match. Bailey is so good. Sasha's so good. And kind of like that Daniel Bryan moment. Yeah. The Frankensteiner throw the wristband. And like in that instant, like she's transcended. Like everybody who's ever held her down and kicked her and beat her and made fun of her and teased her, gone. She's left all of them into the dust. She throws that headband into the crowd, hits that suplex, wins the match. It's one of my favorite things in wrestling. And it's like on paper, it could just be another good NXT match. I think these two are so good at what they do that they transcend that. And it's one of my favorite things of all time. Yeah. It's a testament to them both to NXT should have been the main event. Yeah. it. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh no, that, that match is fantastic. And as someone who's not the biggest fan of, of women's wrestling for the most part, like I I actively remember the first time I ever took any sort of women's wrestling even remotely seriously, and it it was the first takeover between Paige and Emma. That it was it was that match where it was like, yeah. Holy crap, it's a it's an actual wrestling match. Like this is incredible. And, um, and then this was, this to me was pretty much the culmination of the best that WWE ever has done with women's matches, because this is probably the best women's match they've ever produced and probably will be. I, I don't think any other, any others have been as good. Um, I think there's been plenty of good, really good ones, plenty of really good moments, but this one was, uh, it, it was a whole nother level of just wrestling work storyline work heel work babyface work it was uh it was just expertly crafted in a perfect scenario and the end to just a really well done uh well done storyline as well and again that's why wrestling needs heels and babyfaces because you can't do this without without a, an, a straight up heel and a straight up babyface you can never quite get a match as good as it can be you you can pull off great matches plenty of great matches with faces and faces and heels and heels but it's it's never going to be as emotionally satisfying as something like this yeah and i think if if you're looking at sort of the spectrum we've been going back and forth on with sports and entertainment in pro wrestling i think this one maybe more than anything else is is so squarely in the middle yeah the personal story the personal beef there is so good but they don't let it get out of control and they don't let it take away from the fact that this is a serious athletic competition. I don't think, I don't think there's more than one or two kickouts in this match. There are, I miss them, but there's not, there's not a ton of false finishes. There's not a ton of things that could be finishes. Yeah. Which makes sense because they both know each other so well. The other one I obviously considered and would be in my honorable mentions list too, I guess, is their follow-up match at respect where Sasha tries to win her belt back they have that Iron Man match 
Yep. That's the famous moment, you know, where she makes Izzy cry in the front row. Like there's a lot of really iconic stuff in that match. But it's just it's not on the same level. For one thing, like we talked about with the punk match, like a two out of three falls match in 90 minutes feels earned. An Iron Man match where the score is like four to three after 30 minutes doesn't feel earned, especially when you watch them in this match wrestle for like 20 minutes and only get one fall. Like it, yeah. it, it it's good. But it's a lot more dialed up. It's a lot like more intense, but less earned. And it's just it's not as good as this one. And you don't have that dynamic of can Bailey get over the hump? Can she retain? Yeah, that's interesting. And you want her to retain, but it's just not the same as that mountaintop moment. So for that reason, that's my number three. Yep. Great pick. Cool. Okay, so like I said, home stretch here and we'll. I, I might not talk as much about these as I did the last two because if you know anything about me, you know what they are. Number two is The Rock and Hulk Hogan, WrestleMania X8. Once again, I, I kind of thought this might fall. I wasn't sure what was going to happen here, but I've talked about this match before multiple times, including that WrestleMania episode. It's It's just the purest sports entertainment pro wrestling yes. that could ever exist. It is two absolute Titans doing like whatever the opposite of punk and Chris hero is on the biggest stage of them all with like the most cartoon character move set with a hundred thousand people losing their minds. And it's awesome. It's so great. The best. And I didn't take a ton of notes on this cause we all know how I feel about it. And I've talked about it ad nauseum in the past, but I have this quote from Jerry Lawler. As they square up, he just says, we will never see Tyson and Ali. We will never see Babe Ruth and Barry Bonds, but we will see The Rock and Hulk Hogan only at WrestleMania. Yep. That is a call. And that match and that moment, like you talk about the intersection of wrestling and real life. They didn't get really meta with the storyline here, but you watch this match and you know, you know, as the rock tries to knock down Hogan and Hogan starts shaking and shaking and shaking. And he stands up and he starts wagging his finger. You know, there are people in that building watching that match who in 1994, honestly thought they might never see Hulk Hogan at a WrestleMania match again. Yeah. Cause true. WWF was going to go out of business. Like, that is a decade of like childhood hopes and dreams and fantasy booking and, you know, late night staring at the television and crying when he loses to Andre the Giant or whatever. Like that is all of that brought to life one more time for an entire generation of people on the biggest stage of them all. And it's it's the dumbest thing in the world. It's the most like pro wrestling, like video game logic that he can hulk up and just become impervious to pain and you can't touch him and he rolls through you. But it's awesome. It's it's the original, you know, sports entertainment guy. And he knocks yeah. it out of the park. And The Rock, with The Rock Bottom and the people's elbow and those facial expressions. Like, it's two of the best, and I mean this as a compliment, the best cartoon character wrestlers on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, no, you're right. The perfect, like, time in their powers for them to overlap. The biggest show in front of the hottest crowd you've ever seen. This is one of the first matches that I will always point people to if they've never seen a wrestling match before. It's just, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. 
Well, the whole other aspect that I don't think I don't think you even mentioned is the fact that they do the the switch heel babyface mm-hmm. midway through the match, yeah. and that is not something that's easily done. Um, it was not even planned to be done in this match, and uh, the only other t- the only other example that even comes close to this was Stone Cold Bret Hart WrestleMania 13, which mm-hmm. which but but it was it was designed to happen in that match, right. It, it, you know, that was planned. Bret Hart was going to be more the heel and they were going to start to get Stone Cold over as more of a baby face like that. That was the plan. As far as far as I know, that that was the goal. Right. Yeah. No, it absolutely was. Um, This was not. This was Hulk Hogan is the big bad heel. He left the company, joined the competition, was even the biggest heel there. No, you 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 hate him. He's coming back over. Don't let him back. He he's the big heel. Rock is your favorite golden child of the past five six years. He's everyone's favorite because you know he's the greatest on the mic and and can run circles around everyone. That's what this match was. And but and then I don't know they because WWE is incredibly brilliant. It never crossed their mind that we have Hulk Hogan back at a WrestleMania for the first time. In 20 years, or no, in 10 years, uh, people might like that. That never crossed their mind. Not one time did that cross their mind because they're brilliant. And so (laughs) then the entrances come, and it's just the biggest pop in the world for for Hulk Hogan because you have Hulkamania back at WrestleMania. And yeah, and exactly. so and immediately Stone Cold or uh, I keep saying Stone Cold for some reason immediately the Rock and Hulk Hogan realize that and so a good third of the way through the match Rock's just like well all right we're gonna go with this so he just slowly starts again very very Cody like just slowly starts to do these little heel tactics and Hulk Hogan just slowly starts to do some Hulk stuff. So then by the end, they're just like, Rock's just like, screw it. Hulk up. Like, you got to do it. Like, we got to do it. Yeah. And he does it. And it's perfect. And it's amazing. And the Rock still wins because, of course, I mean, come on. I mean, it's, you know, of course the Rock has to win. But it's just, oh, it's so, it's so good. You have, uh, you have Hogan. uh, Hogan, uh, doesn't he? He kicks out of the people's elbow, doesn't he? He kicks out of the rock bottom. I That's know. what it was. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's the what match. it was. So I, I knew the yeah, people's elbow finished it, but I couldn't remember if he did. Yeah, I don't he kicks think out he the kicks out bottom. of it before. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you just have all that. It, it's yeah, it, it's brilliant. It's some of the best in-ring decision making by two performers mm-hmm. in history, and WWE had absolutely nothing to do with it, which makes me like it even more. And. Uh, <laughs> And so, no, I, I love it. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's wonderful. It's one of the greatest WrestleMania moments ever. And I mean, nobody's going to argue that. And I'm really glad you pointed all that out. Cause I knew all that, but sometimes I think I can, you know, fail to articulate it. Cause I think about it so much, but like, that is why that's the match that I will always try to show people because like, Oh, it's fake. No, like we all know it's fake. And in this moment, these two performers like that stare down is amazing because you can see it in both their eyes. They're like, uh, okay. 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 Um, so this might be different. Like you can see all of that in their eyes. 
and they work out live and on the fly in front of a hundred thousand people or you know whatever yeah yeah exactly what they're going to do they're feeding off of the crowd they're feeding off of each other and they're just winging it and it works yep not only does it work it's perfect and it it only works because we all like we know what's going on and they're not actually fighting and that's why it's so great because they can engineer this whole thing and yeah like you said the moment we're like it's subtle for a long time and like hogan is still doing heelish things right. too but oh, like yeah. rock is getting you know more and more like stubborn and plotting and that moment where hulk finally starts shaking his head on the ground and pounding his fist and then stands up and wags his finger at him that's the crescendo like the coin has completely flipped and it's so beautiful and it's yeah i mean like the the stone cold thing with bret hart also great yeah but was also supposed to happen and ends on a very yeah i mean you know he passes out and like technically loses bret yeah. hart wins like whatever this is such a moment of like actual real life joy for all the people in that stadium to see their childhood hero come back and do it one more time even if he doesn't win like it doesn't matter because you got to see him hulk up at wrestlemania one more time it's so fun and then and what happens just, after the match well, after, so I quit watching for the sake of time, but after the match, the NWO comes back out and tries to go for the beatdown, do they not? And Hogan fights them off and turns yep. face. Yep. yep, and then he stands in the ring, The Rock leaves, and Real American plays over the speakers as Hogan yep. is posing for the crowd, and yep. it's awesome. It's, it's funny. It's fun to knock on Hulk Hogan because there's, you know, like actual bad things about him as a person and as a performer. But boy, when he nails it, we talked about this last week, like, you get why he's Hulk Hogan. Like, oh, when yeah. he nails it, he nails it. And that was like, you know, you think about, like, the garbage ending of something like WrestleMania 9, where he came out, challenged for the title after the main event, and won it in a minute. And you're like, that's one of the stupidest things that's ever happened. Like, even in his wildest dreams, I don't think Hulk Hogan could have imagined how this WrestleMania X8 match was going to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no one is- could. It's awesome. And that improvisation, like you said, is just chef's kiss. That's what happens when you have two of the best, two of the best of all time in the ring, in the biggest stage, Mm -hmm. they're able to do that. Do you think any any person in WWE could pull anything like that off now? No. And you know why? Because they don't know how. Because they've never been allowed to do it. (sighs) Maybe one day we'll get to see that happen again. Who knows? All right. It would be nice. Let's bring this... Let's bring this home. I've waxed poetic long enough. We're going to see if we can make this quick and dirty. If you know me, you know what this is. CM Punk, John Cena, Money in the Bank, 2011. It's my favorite wrestling match of all time. It's the best wrestling story of all time. It's the best wrestling match of all time. We talk about this a lot like throughout this list, and I bring it up a lot anyway. But like, the best wrestling stories are the ones that can tap into real life in one way or another like yep. daniel bryan mick foley not good enough to be champion right bailey she's a nice person nice people can't get ahead in this business that's the drama the best the the reason things like mick foley and daniel bryan especially resonate with us is because we know like the greatest truth of this fake sport is that vince mcmahon doesn't care about our favorite people he's going to pick what he thinks is best for business he's always going to put the company first He is always going to screw over the stars that we love and want to see more of. And 
everything about this match is so hardwired into that reality that they tell the perfect wrestling story. The pipe bomb, one of the greatest promos in wrestling. Hey, hey, can I, can I just, uh, can I just piggyback on the John Cena thing that, and one thing that makes it even more, even more like that than even other people is the fact that he's just, it's the, the idea of it is that he's just the yes man type type performer it's not Mm -hmm. even like oh he's trying to keep down other wrestlers or oh he's trying to keep himself ahead it's like no it's even worse than that he just is going to do whatever the company tells him to do which is even worse in a way than even a triple h who's actively trying to suppress other people and actively trying to keep himself on top it's like even though we hate that we get it like you know we're selfish people we understand Cena's is even worse. It's almost like, and again, this isn't true, but j- just the idea of him. It's it's almost more. Oh, I just don't care. I'm just I'm I'm the company guy. Whatever will help the company. I'm all for it. And, and that's almost worse than even being yeah, like well, selfish. So he's the that, perf. Sorry. Well, no, I was just saying. Ahead. So so that's one aspect that makes it even di- more different, and mm-hmm. uh, adds to adds to that whole that just whole level of of disdain that that a lot of people had for him. Exactly, and he's the perfect foil yep. for a match like this because he's not—he's he, not a sniveling. He's not Ric Flair. He's not the sniveling, conniving like cheat to win heel. Mm-mm. He's just a real good wrestler, and he's—he's going to beat your favorite guy. And it's not personal. There's no beef. Yep. He's just good. He's better than your guy. Yeah. He's the Yankees. That's what he is. They say that yep. in the video package. Like, yep. you, you, we got a little—I got a little ahead of myself here, but the pipe bomb promo is one of the greatest promos in wrestling history Yep. because it's all real. And in retrospect, looking back on it and realizing that Punk would eventually actually quit the company because of all the things he lined up in that promo, that just makes it even better. The build to this feud, the things he says to and about Vince McMahon and to and about John Cena, he tells him, he's like, "I I don't hate you, John, but you've become everything you said you wouldn't be. You're a dynasty. You're not an underdog. You're the New York Yankees. Yep. And he's right because John, like John Cena's never really been a heel, not since the very early days of his career. He's just your, he's just this superhero, ridiculously good looking, ridiculously chiseled, always winning wrestler. And that in a way is so much more infuriating yep. when you want to see guys like punk get a win than if he were just cheating all the time. And it's so many little things too. It's the fact that he's always in the main event even yep. when he's not champion or even in a champion match, he'll be in yep. the main event over the championship match. He'll enter yep. last even when he's the challenger. The champion will yep. have to enter first. It's like all these little things uh, that mm-hmm. make it even more so than than even just you know, the major things. It's, it's the little right. things that just keep adding up for a 10-year stretch that, yes. that we're able to build up to that. And they aren't – that's not booking. That's no, not Vince no, saying, no, well, no, 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 no. WWE John is Cena not really smart enough for that. No, well, that's the, that's what I'm saying. That is the great inescapable truth of pro wrestling. This is Vince's guy, and he's going to make it all about his guy, whether you like it or not. That is the reality yep. behind this entire feud and this entire match. Mark, I've talked about this before. The entrance to this match is the best thing that's ever happened in professional wrestling. <laughs> Punk's entrance, the way the announcers describe it, the way John Cena enters – the way the crowd is losing their entire mind. Yep. It's all perfect. The commentary for this 
couldn't have been scripted any better. And I don't know if this is them working off bullet points, but if somebody sat down and wrote everything that they say word for word at every point in time, it's just it's perfect. I can almost quote it the way punk plays off the crowd and they give him time to hype the crowd up, to hype them up, to stand on the turnbuckle and say, what's my name and pound his chest. And then he sits down in the center of the ring, just crisscross applesauce and just waits like total Zen. The juxtaposition of everything going on there, that he is the eye in this storm. And then he stands up again and starts pumping the crowd up like they just let it breathe. Mm -hmm. And they let it come in wave after wave after wave. And John Cena, he plays this part perfectly because he knows if he came out and he played a heel, he would ruin it. The best thing he can possibly do is be John Cena. So his music hits, he walks straight to the ring and i've told you about this before i know i've talked about it but michael cole has probably the best call of his life says there was no salute to the crowd tonight from john cena because tonight john cena is in enemy territory everything they say is perfect jerry lawler doesn't say anything stupid and distract from the moment right like he's making quips because he's jerry lawler and even his quips are muted because jerry lawler is scared because the wwe title is about to be stolen Yep. Like you, you get that sense. Everything about this Booker T he's not as bombastic as Jerry Lawler. He's also scared because he's a company man now. And the WWE title is about to be stolen. And then with all of this build and the feud and the promo and the video package and the entrance and everything, they go out there and they have the best match in modern WWE history. Do you know the last match before this that got a five-star rating from Dave Meltzer? Like, you mean the last WWE match or Correct. last yes, any yes, match? Yes. Uh, no, the last WWE match. I don't know. I, I, I can't imagine he's given more than two or three matches ever in the history of the company five stars. So, I, I don't so, know. We'd probably go back to, like, Hogan Rock. Oh, no, 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 no. Bret Hart, Steve Austin. Oh, okay. WrestleMania 13. 1997. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the last time WWE put on a five-star match. And, you know, that's there's some a, well, subjectivity that's involved in this. No, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang No, no, no. There is not some subjectivity involved in this. There is only subjectivity involved in this. <laughs> Meltzner's word means very, very, yeah. very, very, very little than it okay, ever fair. should. And uh, I, 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 I'm completely over any uh, Meltzer things. Oh. But unfortunately, enough people care where it still has to be mentioned. But, well, was, okay. but, but that's <laughs> not to take away from your point. I don't I don't mean to step no, on your point because your point is very valid. No, that's fair. And I don't mean that well that that was my point. Like Dave Meltzer is not the authority on anything. If you love like I said, Rock Hogan is number two on my match. I don't care what he gave it. It doesn't matter. It's still a great match. But like just to give you some indicator of like whatever the only standard of objectivity this industry has, which again I disagree with him on a lot of stuff anyway. Nineteen ninety seven to two thousand and eleven. And Punk and Cena go out there and they put on a five-star match. The next time he would give a WWE-produced match five stars for, like, in-ring technical excellence was NXT TakeOver Philadelphia in 2018 when Andrade fought Johnny Gargano for the NXT title. That's an absurd drought. And again, subjective, yes. But that just proves, like, how good these two were in this moment not just in the build not just in the entrances but that like the guy who infamously loves tokyo loves japanese matches 
way more than WWE matches, looked at this and was like, that's as good as it gets right there. It's, it's perfect. And they play off each other so well. They are the perfect foils for one another. Like I said, this doesn't work if it's like, you know, Baron Corbin or like a heel Seth Rollins. This doesn't work if it is any chickenish sniveling cheat to win heel. The finish of this match comes when Vince McMahon comes in, tries to screw Punk out of the title, and John Cena says, absolutely not. Best man's going to win this fight. Because he's not a he, he's not going to cheat to win. That's why we hate him so much, because he's just that good. Yeah, That's what makes this work. And you have, after all of this build and the perfect storyline, that perfectly encapsulates and taps into every wrestling fan's real anxiety and every aspect of the build and the match and the feud. They tear the house down, and they end up doing, in my opinion, the one thing WCW couldn't ever do and WCW or WWE has tried and failed to do a lot, which is to turn the Montreal screw job, the realest thing that ever happened in wrestling into a great wrestling storyline and to leverage it in some way into this payoff where they have Vince come down. Cena has punk in a submission hold. Vince looks at the dude and says, call for the bell. Yeah. Now they fake screw jobs a hundred times in wrestling, but they built this so well. And they emphasize so much. They're like, this is this is Vince McMahon's company. This is his father's company. This title is everything to him. He will do anything he can to keep it here. And you know that's true because he's already done that mm -hmm. for real in real life. We've seen this happen. So as well as they built and knowing everything you know about Vince McMahon, even though you know wrestling is fake in that moment, he would do that. He would totally yeah. do that. Yeah, it's real. You know it's real because they've tapped into that too at every stage in the process. They've taken a real thing that you have as a wrestling fan and they have channeled it into this story and they tell it perfectly. And there's no screw job. There's no funky finish. Eh, Punk hits his finisher. Well, it's it's uh, right. Well, it's, you know, there's no – he doesn't cheat to win. Can we right, put it that right. way? Yeah, he sure. doesn't hit him with a chair when the ref's not looking. He hits him with his finisher. Yep. Clean as a whistle. Commentary is doing a great job pointing this out. They're like, look, at this point, it's just a question of who's going to be the first man to make a mistake. Cena makes the mistake. He rolls back into the ring. He's not ready for Punk. Eats a go to sleep. Eats a pen. Punk wins the title. The crowd goes absolutely nuts. And then just for the cherry on top, Alberto Del Rio comes running out. And you're immediately like, oh, no, we had a good thing. You're going to ruin it. WWE stealing, you know, money in the bank, ruining the baby faces moment. No, Punk just knocks him out just instantly, takes the title, runs for his life, blows Vince McMahon a kiss through the crowd and flees the scene. And the show ends and it's perfect. Everything about it's perfect. Every aspect of this fight and this feud ties exactly into some real life anxiety you have as a wrestling fan. It piggybacks perfectly on like the actual real truth of wrestling, which is Vince McMahon hates your guy and doesn't want him to win. And for one night and one match, they give you what you want and they knock it out of the park. Yeah, I and much have like one... Survivor Series, we're not going to talk about what happened after that because nothing happened after that. Right. It's just done. That's the end. Right. The uh, <laughs> the um the one thing though I will say that I, that I that drives me crazy about this match. So, uh, you know, Punk wins. And then McMahon is just sitting there with his wonderful McMahon shocked face. And um, yep. 
and then comes immediately down and is like, bring bring out Alberto Del Rio. Come on, bring him out here. Harris, have you ever seen a more goofy and pathetic looking run in your entire life? No, he's just... It's the <laughs> stupidest looking thing I've ever seen. I mean, he's already a stupid looking person. I'm sorry. Right, Alberto like Del Rio is a so. dumb, lanky, big, weird looking guy and is one of the several reasons why no one ever gave two craps about him, no matter how yeah, much WWE them. tried tried to Mm -hmm. um very impressive and i felt bad about hating him because i'm like he's clearly very good but i just never never cared um anyway he it's the most unathletic goofy look he has this face like he's a cartoon villain well he's clearly panicked too like it's not like in kayfabe he's freaking out yeah but he's got this like scowl like he's in some cartoon movie and he's the bad guy and is clomping out like a mentally slow horse down to the ring and then just gets kicked in the face just immediately, which is one of the most satisfying moments ever just because of how stupid he looks coming out there. You're just like, yes, exactly. (laughs) Stay down. I I don't want to see you run anymore. Exactly. No, listen, that's a fair quibble. That's why I describe it as the cherry on top. Cause like the real drama is, can he beat Cena and get out? And then you're scared that he's going to get screwed. But like, Del Del Rio is like the fact that he's goofy looking and clearly, like I said, clearly freaking out and then gets kicked in the head immediately and is just dead in the ring. Like that's that's fine because it's it's the aftermath. He's already pinned Cena and like it's satisfying to see him get away. But like he's not supposed to be the primary antagonist, which is their problem. They never understood that about Alberto Del Rio. Like if he's not running over Santa or getting kicked in the face. (laughs) We don't want to see him. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a very good point. Oh, man. But that's one thing because I watched that match last week when I was going through all my matches trying to figure out which ones were making it and which ones were honorable mentions. And, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that's just one part. I'm just like, ugh, this guy's run drives me nuts. <laughs> just run normal. Like, what are you – ugh. He looks like – okay, Harris, do you remember um, – when NCAA 2009 came out and they changed the gameplay completely and it no longer was like this smooth looking video game where people like moved fairly normal and all of a sudden they made this new running style where like the top half of their body doesn't move and just their legs move that that's I mean, I what Alberto Del Rio looked like yeah no well he's got that briefcase and he doesn't know how to run with it so he's oh clearly really awkward. not yeah yep yeah. 100% anyway that's a that's a decent pick though. That's a decent number one that's pick. That's a decent pick. I have no arguments. That's uh, wonderful. So that's match. my top ten. Uh, we went on for way longer than I thought we would, as typically happens. Yes, I we think did. The biggest thing I was surprised to see when I got to the end was that I don't have like any Undertaker matches on here, no Triple H matches, no Shawn Michaels matches. Like a lot of the classic Blue Blood, like these are top ten wrestling matches aren't on here and that surprised me a little bit but like i said there's a good amount of recency bias yeah like the the undertaker streak matches are great the punk match is great like i love all that stuff but it just hasn't impacted me the same way a lot of these stories have because a lot of these stories for me are the ones that blur that line between real life and pro wrestling fiction and again that's why this one's at the top of my list because i think it does that better than anything else out there yeah yeah Fair enough. All right. Let's wrap this thing up. Well, 
that was a nice that was a nice afternoon spent uh yep. talking about awesome wrestling matches so um next week hopefully we'll be back to a regular episode we'll see what i can do but um that that's the plan that's the plan as of right now to do that for next week but um Make sure to follow us on Twitter at behind underscore gorilla. Also Instagram at behind underscore gorilla. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Marky Mark Brand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So do that as well. And uh, yeah, that does it for uh, our top 10 wrestling matches of all time. So again, we'll go back to non-positive stuff for wrestling because we can't we can't veer too far from uh, from our our mo there. But uh, thanks a lot for listening, guys. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.